Does anybody want to do the intro this week? I'm getting tired of doing it. No, no, you can only do this to us if you make us prepare for it. You do it. Well, yeah, we'd have to write it down. Yeah. And now it's time for the Techie You Drive at Five with Robin Vouters and Dan Taylor. Let's do this. I mean, all right, all right, all right, I'll do it. This is the Techie You Drive at Five. I am your host, Dan Taylor, and we are the droids you're looking for. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a short but uh, news-filled week. Lots of lots of stuff going on. I actually got to. Uh, Flex some of my old photography muscles this week. We'll get to that. Uh, Fiona saw spotted zebras. Robin's lost in chat GPT, ABC, and Kate's talking about death again. So, Fiona, let's not waste any time. Talk to me about the safari. Yes, spotted zebra raised a seed round of $1.8 million. Um, that was for their workforce platform. It's great news for the skills gap as these guys' solution, as they say, is powering the shift to skills-based organizations. They want companies to start focusing on employee skills rather than academic qualifications or job titles. And anything that helps plug the skills gap is good news for everyone, isn't it? Um, in other good news from Lithuania's um, SME Finance this week, um, they said that they've added another 100 million euros to their pot thanks to London-based Fastenara Capital. The lending platform is also adding machine learning and open banking to speed up and simplify its service. And Czech Republic has a new investment fund for AI startups. AISI, which is AI Startup Incubator, is aiming to raise 20 million euros to support early stage AI driven companies. And in other incubator news, CampX by Volvo Group, which Kate actually did a feature with in February uh, when they launched in their Gothenburg incubator. This week, they announced they're also going to be adding a focus on fintech innovations going forward so that they can better support their customers with productivity and sustainable solutions. I'm all for the spills industry. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I have a bit of a cold still, so I'm using that as my excuse. I like the spills industry. I like that. I also like, what was it, the, the, the Czech Republic, what was it, the AI for startups, I see. You'll see that in the show notes. So, yeah, there we go. That took a second. I see. All right. Well, thank you for checking in, Fiona. I'm sorry you've still got a cold. Is this like a post-Easter cold? Did you, did, you, did you Easter it up? I've had it for ages, but the chocolate over Easter did help. Ah, very good. Yay. Yay. Yay, Easter chocolate. Well, speaking of chocolate and bunnies, Robin. Hey, <laughs> I don't know how I got there, but you didn't, um, you didn't yeah, get there. I at didn't all. get there. What's happening? Uh, good. I, I I like to watch Kate like wrestle with her cats. I, I wish we were releasing the video of this. <laughs> I think one week we're just gonna have to do video because the the feline cameos are impressive. Yes. Uh, she was quietly trying to take her cat away, so I'll give a shout out to everyone's Thank aware. You. Uh, you there like were five guests on the show too. today. A cat and a trackpad is not good when you're recording. Mm. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about ChatGPT. Have we ever talked about ChatGPT? We must Chat, have, probably. ChatGPT? What is that? No idea. Oh. Tell me all about it. <laughs> we all know what it is. 
Um, so the OpenAI's uh, chatbot has set itself up for a pretty rough ride with Europe's rather powerful uh, privacy watchdogs this week, or as political, um, sorry, as, as <clears throat> or as Politico put it earlier this week, they are entering a world of regulatory pain in Europe. Uh, especially after Italy uh, famously became the first country in the EU to effectively but temporarily ban the software uh, to launch an investigation into OpenAI over alleged GDPR breaches and failure to check the age of its users. Um, now, you, you may have heard that Italy's data protection agency set out a list of demands uh, this week on Wednesday, uh, which it said the organization must meet by April 30. Uh, but in the meantime, there's countries like Germany, France and Spain uh, they've also started looking into the matter, uh, as I imagine most EU member states have, either publicly or not. Uh, and now the European data regulators have set up a task force to cooperate and exchange information on enforcing EU laws. That's what they do best, setting up task forces. So the tricky part here is that OpenAI uh, has not set up a local headquarters in any of the European Union's 27 countries to date. Uh, which basically means that any member state's data protection authority uh, can launch new investigations and enforce bans like the one Italy has enforced last week. Uh, so in that sense, the call for coordination on the European level is actually a good thing. Uh, even though I kind of lamented the move on Twitter earlier this week, uh, I mean, how many task forces does Europe really need, right? Uh, but at the same time, uh, there are concerns about age restrictions, data protection, privacy violations that are quite valid. Uh, so my humble opinion is quite helpful to have a uh, continued debate around things like that. And feel free to disagree with me after after I'm done with this one. Uh, but one more thing, in any case, if you think about it, it's kind of crazy. Uh, OpenAI only launched uh, their AI chatbot in November last year. Uh, and what has happened in the five months between uh, that day and now, it's quite, quite insane if you think about it. Uh, one thing that wasn't unexpected that is Europe being trigger happy as always when it comes to throwing around regulation and privacy watchdogs and yet another task force uh, into the mix of excitement and fear uh, around the technology and its potential impacts. So to be continued. What do you all think? My question is, who's enforcing this? I mean, is it, is, it, is it just a coincidence that it's, uh, it's coming out of Italy? I mean, is this like a mm. Southern Italy uh, task force that's gonna be enforcing this? Or what's, uh, what's, who's, who's gonna be cracking some heads here, huh? That's I what I wanna know. I genuinely think they were just uh, the first by chance. I, I think it was coming know, out of France, Germany, Spain. One of these countries is always fast when it comes to this. Now on the European level, having a kind of coordinated task force is actually not a bad thing as I mentioned, because it's better to discuss this between member states and have all of them, you know, mm. impose bans for different reasons and then nobody can like, tell what's yeah. what anymore. But but it, but isn't this a bit like, I mean, Pandora's already been let out of the box, Yeah. right? Like you're never gonna stuff this back in the box now. Yeah. And then, I mean, committees and groups and task force, I mean, are we talking about them with an ability to have any actual will? power or is this yeah. just kind of toothless tiger with a bit of you know posturing i mean it's the eu they're working on an ai act it's not going to be enforceable until a few years from now um so yes the <laughs> task force the, the task force is there the horse has bolted yeah i mean yeah but then they'll I, probably be using chat gpt or something of, of I mean, it's quite clear they're going to be running behind the facts for, for a long time when it comes to AI. At the same time, I do think it's good to have a conversation around it because it's, it, maybe it's not okay to have you know, underage users uh, using it for different reasons and, and you know, having 
having data exposed where it's not supposed to. So it's good to have a conversation about it. It's not a bad thing. But yeah, no, I I, I agree with the conversation, but I'll, but I'll uh, I'll I'll also agree that you know like Fiona said, the the horse is already bolted. I mean, it's it, yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, anyone else? Any yeah. thoughts on Chat GTP GP, PTTPP? P? Good. Right. Moving on. Does everybody, anybody, everybody, does everybody remember I am? Remember I am? Mm-hmm. Fondly. Do we have I am? Fiona, did you have I am? I didn't. Sorry. I'm really bad. I barely have Instagram. Well, oh, but you're in the right ballpark. Good. So for those of you that don't remember I am, I, I too fondly remembered I I'm not sure. Robin, do, do you remember I am fondly for the app or the founders? Both. Both. I love the yeah. app. I once sold a photo really? on there. It still really? makes me proud to this day. It's been six, seven years, and it still makes me proud. Well, you sold more than oh, I did on there, so well good, good, on, good on you, good on you. But the, but the founders, the founding, the founding team, they were they were uh, they they still are a, a, a group of great great folks. Uh, but you know, I I I I'm, I I'll admit I'm a little bit behind on the news on this one, but I wanted to check my facts and get the story straight before I ran the story, which I did do today. But it seems like I am is I gone. Which is pretty, yeah. Look, Kate's even got stuff falling down, or the cat's knocking things off the table. Um, me- me- so, meow. Me- I meow. Uh, <laughs> yep, I am. I am is gone. They uh, well, they they have filed for insolvency, um, and I just kind of dug into this story a little bit. It it, it turns out that um, I am was backed by Early Bird Ventures, Passion Capital, Wellington Partners, Atlantic Labs. Open Ocean Capital, and of course, who could forget the all-time favorite, Peter Thiel's Valar Ventures. So, you know, this is a pretty substantial cap table. Um, everything was on the up and up. Um, they, I, I think, you know, at some point they had to pivot. They had to, they had to look at the situation as it was. They're never really going to compete with Instagram. Instagram was was uh, growing like wildfire. So, I am. Um, they, they kind of went in the direction of more high-end stock photography. Uh, photo agency stuff. They signed some deals with Getty, with Alme. Uh, they opened their own marketplace, which Robin sold a work on. Um, but and and I thought this was how. Do you remember how much they took, Robin, of the total sale? I'm I'm actually looking at it right he's, now. He's looking for it. Oh, you got I, it. I made two dollars twenty eight. Well, wait. Lifetime earnings four dollars twenty. Whoa. Retirement uh, fund. Stop. Uh, really? And the revenue share was twenty five percent. Was it? Jeez. What was All right. What was the photo of? It was a photo from an airplane. Because there I'll aren't many of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it to you so you can show it in the show notes, and maybe wow. I'll sell some more. All right. Well, there you go, folks. I'm going to see if I can embed Robin's uh, prize-winning, literally prize-winning, price-winning uh, photo. Um, uh, fast forward to 2018, uh, they've got another round of capital coming in, um, and then things start to get a bit weird. Uh, so mid-2021, uh, IM was acquired by a group called New Talent something or other. What, what were they called? New... I check my notes here. Uh, Talent House? Talent, no, well, Talent House is what they became, but they were, at the time they were acquired, it was like New knew something or other uh, anyway i'll check the show notes folks i'll get it right uh so so the company that acquired them they then started trading as talent house 
Um, and reportedly, well, actually not reportedly, the filings were found. So IM was eventually sold for around $40 million. Um, but this acquisition comes, interestingly, six months after a sort of in-house reshuffling at IM that saw three of the four founders leave. Uh, one of them had already left, so, uh, you know, the, 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 the people who created it were already out. Uh, the shareholders all got together and said, right, let's ditch this. We're going to ditch it for $40 million. Uh, And then I went and took a look at the stock price of Talent House AG, uh, starting around mid-June and where it is now. And, uh, it, well, y y it doesn't take a genius to figure out why they've filed for insolvency. Uh, yeah, basically, the stock price is in the basement. And... As of, uh, let's see, what do we got? May 2022 is the earliest one I could find. I checked some photography photographer forums, and you start seeing notes of, has anyone not been paid royalties this month? Oh, yeah, I didn't get paid either. Oh, well, I'm two months behind in my payments now. Uh, and uh, Talent House released a big statement saying, hey, look, we floated the company. We uh, were counting on this money, uh, market conditions, la di da di blah, 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 blah. Sounds like a snow job to me, but I can't prove that. Uh, and then, uh, what was it? The end of February saw a board-mandated review of the business practices, which led to the immediate departure of the uh, Talent House CEO and Chief Corporate Development Officer. And on April 4th of this year, I am Mobile GmbH filed for insolvency. So it's, uh, it's a sad story, really, because I think, uh, you know, like, what? I guess, I guess 10, 15 years ago now, would it be? Jesus, it's that long ago. Uh, you know, I am, I am was going neck and neck with Instagram. I think they peaked at, uh, I found an article you wrote, Robin. I think they had 13, 13 million users at their, at their peak, but uh, yeah, just couldn't keep up. I mean, the, the, the lead in that I, that I uh, captioned the story with was, uh, you know, you had I am an Instagram, YouTube and Vimeo. Vimeo is still around, but they've massively pivoted. They're no longer doing the YouTube thing. So um, yeah, kind of a kind of a, kind of a sad one. I mean, it, it, it hits a chord with me. Obviously, the the photography thing, uh, and uh, having known the founders over the years, great great bunch of guys. They've they've all gone on to do uh, new and exciting stuff. But uh, yeah, just I guess I guess really a story of like, you know, I, I I don't know, like being acquired and then the acquirer kind of just ran things into the ground. Uh, yeah, it's a sad yeah. sad tale, and we've yeah. heard too many of these yeah. in the last few months. Yeah. Yeah, but I, well, I will say you mentioned this in your story, but you didn't mention it here on the podcast. Hit me. Is that at some point they released a sort of an innovation where they would look at your photo roll? Oh yeah. If you were using an iPhone, and it would basically group all the pictures that had a cat in it or, or like were mm. blue. And I thought it was at the time was fucking spectacular. And now with yeah. all the AI tools, yeah. it, it doesn't sound like much. But I remember years ago that was quite an innovation. Right. So I right. was I I always thought they were going to make it simply because they had the technical chops and they had the market and they had the users and great founders. I thought they were going to make it. Yeah, and that, and that's Ramsey and his team. I, I think they, yeah. he was he was the CTO, so they were really really pushing the boundaries of what AI in photography could do. Uh, when was that? 2018? No, I think it was even before that. Yeah, yeah. It must have been. earlier than that. But but I know uh, 2016 because they were uh, a launch partner at the uh, Worldwide Developers. Conference, conference, Congress, Congress, that thing with Steve. I don't know. Although by 2016, Steve wasn't there anymore. Steve's not here, man. Speaking of not being here, Kate, is the cat there? No, the cat. This just in from Kate's cat. 
It's all good. Yeah, um, death check. I mean, <laughs> when we talk about death, we're talking about an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people, of course. Well, everybody, I guess. <laughs> um, what do you mean? I don't have to pay taxes anymore. No, it's a very comfortable topic. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's an industry that's traditionally been sort of shrouded in a bit of mysticism with religion and, um, you know, a very... Um, traditional, um, highly regulated way of, of doing everything from, you know, with a lot of sort of ritual, like things like the norm, the norm of doing a funeral, the norm of, you know, the casket, um, the, the, the choices you can make um, are limited to a certain, you know, a certain box, if you like. And now startups are actually recognising that this is an area that's ripe for disruption. And it's not necessarily a new thing. I mean, there's been startups working on this since probably the early 2010s. But we're seeing a couple of interesting trends. One is that there are quite a few startups that don't need any funding. So they're actually able to just progress and, you know, they have a valid market. They've been able to iterate from an idea to something that's commercial. And, you know, given that the, um, I guess their, um, their customer is not going to going to run out. They've got a pretty steady customer base. <laughs> if I <can> say that. <laughs> there's also people that have got some decent funding and even an acquisition. So, yeah, you know, I wanted to look at this topic because I think it's interesting. And um, I've also got an interview today coming out where I've interviewed one of these founders and to look at really what people are doing. So we're looking at everything from companies that are looking at how you can, what you happens to your crypto when you die. An example of, of one is Inherity in Brussels, which their, their aim is to really um, find a way of protecting that digital legacy. And one of the reasons they're doing this is not just the idea that you can, um, you know, you can pass on your passwords to people. There's already some ways you can do that. But their issue was about um, the issue of a lack of confidence. What if the investor is a bit paranoid or they are worried that sharing information could lead to you know, a loss or a manipulation of assets. And I think the idea, I, the one that always comes to my mind is that crypto shyster, um, Gerald Cotton, who um, died in uh, India. He was a, um, a Canadian crypto scammer and basically took the company's password with him. So the, um, the, the private keys. Oops. So that people lost a lot of money. Um, but then there's things like um, digital first services. Like you can book your funeral online. You can um, organise the... I don't know, the casket, there's a, a platform in France where you can choose um, your choice of funeral director, um, which is kind of interesting. And I think as well, I mean, there's also uh, an effort to kind of automate and to bring digital transformation to this very old school kind of industry, like Plotbox in Ireland, where they've got a, a cloud-based kind of platform for people to map um, and manage well, burial plots, if we can say that, or crematoriums and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then there's kind of the thing of what happens to you after you um, after you die. Uh, I know we've spoken about um, this before with um, Tomorrow Biostasis, which is a Berlin-based company that's actually based in my street, so I get to see their little um, their little ambulance every week. Little reminder. A, the little ambulance where they take the um, the bodies to be preserved. <laughs> So it's kind of a reminder of my um, my immortality or mortality, depending on how you look at it. But there's also a couple of companies that are really trying to look at this idea about, you know, um, there's an environmental component, 
people are maybe not religious, they don't want to be buried in a coffin in the ground, in a cemetery. So what if we can do cremation and we can turn those cremated bits into maybe a, um, a plant? So there's a company in Spain called Biozone, which is doing that quite successfully. And then in Italy, there's one that's, um, their, their shtick is basically human composting. So the what? idea is that it's kind of egg-shaped pod. Wow. And, and you can imagine reading this website, how much, um, you know, freezing um, is very interesting. But I mean, if you imagine a pod that's biodegradable, um, and I've got some pictures on the website because it is quite a, quite a site, then you can put the person in it, um, in a fetal position, I believe. Like, Do they have to be dead? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I'm sure we could all think of somebody we might like to put in. I mean, <laughs> you, you bury it with some seeds. So the idea is you can grow from your your um, composting to a tree. Right, right. That's it. I want to be buried with marijuana seeds. I want to be <laughs> smoked after I'm dead. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? And the really funny thing is on the website they've got like this. Um, these images of trees and, and they've got um, texts like, John, how you've grown or good to see <laughs> I you love you, Grandma. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> They're really funny. Um, but like in all seriousness, I was curious about the legalities of this because there's issues around, um, you know, is it legal to bury a body like in your backyard or something? Um, in Europe, yes, uh, which is a bit of a, a problem for us. But in the US, it's a bit more free, free and loose. There's a lot of... Um, legalities by default where you know obscurity is meant that they've never made a law but then they've got other countries that have recently legalized human composting so you know these are really interesting areas of tech where you know if you want to talk about disruption to a an industry that's not going out of business anytime soon but it's also one that's traditionally really um taken a lot of money from people at a time when they're not necessarily making the best financial decisions you know mm. That's really very, very good post, very good roundup. And I'm still trying to digest this whole thing about human uh, composting. Like, I'm really, I'm looking at the website and it says, you know, Capsuli Mondi, which is uh, the name of the company, life never stops, which would be really big news if that were true. Uh, and the US one that you link to is called Return Home, which is also <laughs> quite funny on its own. Anyway. Yeah. Man, I need to wrap my head around this. I, I, I can think of one guy that would probably want his money back. You know, three days later, he's just, surprise, I'm back. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it has been a news-packed week. Does anybody have anything else? Oh, God, wait a minute. Robin, yes, you're one more. The, you're holding your hand up. Okay, Robin, I know you've got one more thing. What is it? I do, I do. It is uh, quite an interesting funding deal uh, that potentially flew under our listeners' radar this week. Uh, which is a UK tech company, Raspberry Pi. Uh, they've received fresh investment from Sony uh, and actually Sony's semiconductor unit uh, in particular uh, in a deal that will let both users and developers make visual sensory applications using its AI chips. Uh, now, for those who don't know Raspberry Pi, it's a company that makes computing uh, super accessible by offering uh, these mini computers, controllers and other devices uh, that give users basically PC-like power in a very small form factor. Uh, it was originally designed as an educational platform to teach robotics, coding, and more. Uh, and now it's become particularly popular as a way for coders to prototype IoT and other devices. Uh, now, the size of the funding round uh, coming from Sony was not revealed, uh, but Raspberry Pi co-founder and CEO Eben Upton, was it Eben or Eben? 
You say even, I say Eben. Anyway, Upton, that guy, uh, told CNBC that the firm uh, raised the cash at the same $500 million valuation it was worth in 2021 when it last raised funding. Um, and in times like these, I would call that a win uh, to keep the same valuation uh, in these times. And it's very hard not to root for a company like Raspberry Pi, especially Ooh. because of the people involved and their foundation and, and just the general vibe of that company. I love. And it's an incredibly affordable product for people that are interested in hardware. It's very accessible. I think that's a huge boost for um, people who are wanting to, to, you know, just explore things and play around. What, what, yeah. what can I do with a Raspberry Pi, though? What can't you do with a Raspberry Pi? Like, like, could it could it get me a beer? Yeah, potentially, if you stick it into a robot that gets you a beer. Mm. Oh. Well, join us next week, folks. It looks like I'm going to have a beer-dispensing robot by my side, courtesy of Raspberry Pi. That's about all the time we have for this week. As always, my name is Dan Taylor. Yours is not. I've been joined by Robins Underwater, Fiona Alston, and Kate Lawrence. Have a great weekend, folks. We are out of here. Wait, 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 wait. You, you, you don't want to hear my dad joke for this week? We do. I need, I need full agreement and alignment. He's looking a bit scared. Yes, please. No, give it to us. I need a giggle today. Why do people take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? I think they're full of holes. In case they just get a hole in one. Just in case they get a hole in one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank okay. you, Kate. For ruining my joke. <laughs>